Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. But whatever it is that we're afraid of, we're afraid of it because we're buying into some perception that is not in alignment with the truth. And so the way to really process it and integrate it is not to run away from it, not to put, not to force a new meaning on it, but to go towards it, (laughs) to actually go into it and find what do I feel? What is actually buried down there? What negative perception? Okay. And here's one thing. When you find that negative perception, it will feel so obvious that the world and your life has proven to you that it's true. Have you ever contemplated the true nature of fear, death, and the vast dimensions of our existence? In this thought-provoking interview, Christian Sundberg dismantles misconceptions surrounding fear guiding us towards the realization that there is nothing to fear, not even death itself. He challenges us to shed our earthly associations, explore our multidimensional nature, and embrace love as the most potent force in our lives. Christian's non-Lydia model of reality in his book, A Walk in a Physical, Understanding the Human Experience Within the Larger Spiritual Context, encourages us to shift our focus from the physical to the realm of consciousness. From personal transformation to its ripple effects on the collective consciousness, this interview offers a compelling perspective on how our choices can shape our more conscious and loving world. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Or good afternoon or good evening, depending on which side of the globe you are sitting on right this very moment. We have the most amazing guest for you today. We have Christian Sundberg. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I am so excited, especially about some of the topics that we are going to unpack. So the way that we love to start the show, Christian, is we always love to ask our guests, how did you get to where you are today? What inspired you to do what you do today? Yeah, thank you for asking. So uh, yeah, these things are very hard to talk about in language on earth uh, because you know our language is based in our local world of form and its assumptions. But I can say very simply that um, about 13 years ago, I began to go uh, through an awakening process and I had pre-birth memory return to me. So for most of my life, I did not have this memory. I did as a small child, and then it left me by the age of five or six. My body is 43 right now. And at the age of 30, when I took up a meditation practice, after a few months, I began to ha- have non-physical experiences, out-of-body experiences. 
And I also had this pre-birth awareness return to me. And so, you know, I just really feel called to share and to remind each other, you know, what we really are underneath this human play that we're playing right now, you know, because our true nature is one of love and joy and freedom and there's nothing to fear. (laughs) I just am really passionate about that message. So when you're talking about pre-birth memories, what are those memories? What do you remember? Sure. So I will, I'll, I'll do my best to share, but like I said, this, this very much transcends the limitations of language uh, because our language is based on the assumptions of our local world. So assumptions, for instance, like linear time and discrete location, you know, these are things we take for granted here that are not fundamentally real. <laughs> so it's very difficult then to put these things into language, but I'll, I'll do what I can. Okay, so I remember a, a long time ago, and and I say a long time ago, this feels like millions of years ago, but it also feels like right now, like it's happening now, coming across a being who had been physical, this is before I had had any physical experiences, and feeling from this being what he is, what he was, this incredible power and joy and freedom that was a part of the essence of this being, you know, because in those higher systems, we can we know our connectedness with each other and with the environment you know our our connectedness is just known and felt so i could feel from this being this incredible like power and depth and joy and i asked him telepathically how did my goodness like what did you do how could you possibly be this what did you like how could you have arrived at this state of being and he shared with me well, he shared with me many things, but chief among them was that he had lived a physical life. And in this certain physical life, he had experienced a chronic health condition, a pain that lingered and lasted with him for a long time, some years. And the quality with which he chose to meet that pain allowed a certain refinement of his being, this this profound expansion and this depth of knowing. And I could feel the incredible power and the joy that was within him and that he knew. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I'm going to do that. (laughs) I was just so inspired. And at first he kind of like, this isn't negative. It was kind of like he brushed me off almost like in a playful way. Like, yeah, you, you just don't understand. Like, like you just don't, you just can't understand how difficult this can be potentially. And I I was persistent. I said, no, I want to do this. And he said, okay, well then go talk to your guides. So I don't have right after that, but I remember living many times and then coming back and find this being later and sharing with him that I was on the path. Like I hadn't reached that full point yet, but I was sharing with him that I was on the journey and he was very encouraging. Um, so so then the majority of my pre-birth memories of a time immediately preceding this life or somewhat immediately preceding this life where I had taken a long break in between physical experiences And I remember the guide coming to me over and over and asking me, are you ready to go back yet? Are you ready to go back yet? And putting him off for a while and then eventually saying, okay, I'm ready. Like he was just reminding me of my own intention and saying, okay, I'm ready now. And then reviewing with this guide, what I can only describe as my state, like who I am and who I've been and what I, what I was. And it was like reviewing a, uh, the the words are so lacking here, but it's like if you took a graph or something and uh, I don't know, it's really hard to describe it and, and review like all these different 
I don't know, virtues maybe, or qualities of being or types of experience vibrations, you know, I could see what I had done and what I, what I understood, what I knew, what I was, the qualities that I really knew, but I could see this one area that was like super obvious, like, oh man, I got to do something about that. Like, <laughs> like it was not hard to detect. And it was this one very extremely low vibration fear that I had experienced in a previous life. And then that in that previous life, this fear had bested me, it had overcome me. And because of that, in that life, I had become quite an egoic monster. And I had caused a lot of damage for other people. And I could see the incredible depth of this fear, but I also knew the, oh my goodness, the profound opportunity for expansion. If I could really meet this fear, experience it all the way and deeply integrate it, I knew the profound expansion of being that would be possible not only for me, but for the whole. But even from that perspective, I could see and feel like, oh my gosh, that is a really low vibration fear in a very specific way. And I asked the guide, has this ever been done in all of creation? Has any being ever engaged a fear of this low vibration in this specific way? And he shared, yes. And you have all of time available to you to do so. There's no hurry. And I just knew like, and I know this sounds strange to me now as the human, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've suffered like so many of us here, but at, from, but from that perspective, I just knew if it can be done, I will do it. I was super excited to do so. And so they brought me a lifetime that was very appropriate for that intention of meeting that fear. And that lifetime was not this lifetime. It was a, a lifetime just before this one. And I remember reviewing that life in, in detail and then accepting that life. And then I remember accepting the veil. Uh, okay, so this is really hard to describe, but this is like in the forefront of this experience for me is this, this plummet in vibration down, 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 down from the state of connectedness and knowing and and having full access to all that is and knowing myself as all that is and having just this, because each soul is such a breadth and a depth to it. I felt this plummet of vibration as I accepted the veil into this previous physical life down lower, 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 and having all my knowing be cut off and all my memory disappear and all that I was felt like it was erased. And I arrived to this very dense, cold, empty place of being in the womb. And I was only there for a very short time. And then I was like, you know what? I am not doing this. There is no freaking way I'm going to tolerate this low vibration. And I had all this fear rise up you know, because I'm like, I, no, I'm, this is not happening. There's no way. Like, I can't even tolerate this for seconds, let alone a whole lifetime. Like, I'm not doing it. So I summoned my might and I smote the veil. I fought my way out past it. And I was successful in doing that. But I immediately recognized that I had killed the body. I had killed the fetus that was to be mine. And I had a life review, just like near-death experiencers describe. I could see within moments all the ripples in the branches and how my fear had affected not only the poor mother because I had like heaped grief upon her, but hundreds of other people who would be negatively impacted by the mother because of my fear. And I, that was all because of my choice. And, you know, from that point of view, I, I knew that it was, you know, it was okay. Like it's ever all is well, and it's just like a big play. Um, but I also could see very objectively, like, wow, I have a lot of fear. 
you know, I got to do something about this. So I spent some time then practicing surrendering to the veil in what I can only describe as like a veil acceptance simulator. I I know this sounds, (laughs) I know this sounds wild, but I remember being in this place that was like being dunked into a dark pool and like being held underwater and then you can cry uncle and they'll let you out kind of thing to practice surrendering to a veiled experience. Uh, And I can tell you that the real thing is a lot more difficult than the simulator (laughs) because you can't cry uncle for the real thing. So anyway, um, then they brought me this life, you know, because I still had this intention to process this fear and this life was good, but it wasn't as appropriate as the first one would have been. The first one was like a really good match Um, I don't want to like put numbers on it, but just like to give crude sense, you know, like the first one, if it was like 99% optimal, this life was like 86 or 87% optimal, something like that, you know, not, not literally that, but I'm just saying I could feel like, oh, it'll work. It's good enough. And I remember reviewing what I can only describe as a vast flow chart of millions and millions of possibilities of what might happen in this life as Christian. It was like if you took a tree and laid it over on its side and you started at the thick part and worked your way out to the branches, it was like feeling and seeing and knowing millions of potential outcomes with some being very likely and some being much less likely. And there were events in it, but it was primarily about what it would be like to feel, you know, to to have the actual experience of being Christian, being the human. And I remember making certain requests, like, for instance, I asked to be intelligent in this life. I, I know that that's a quality that I had had in recent lives, and it was something I preferred. And they said, yes, you can do that. And I also knew that it was important that, like... My father, I knew my father and my mother and my grandparents would be important, but my father in particular, in that he would help instill a confidence in me and that I would have used that I would have that confidence as like a rock to stand on. So when the fear came up later in life, I it wouldn't like self-worth wouldn't be the thing I was (laughs) struggling with. I would have that to stand on to face and process the fear. And I also remember asking can I just like not forget everything this time? Can I have like a tiny, tiny, just like the smallest amount of memory? (laughs) And they said, yes, you can do that, but it will make the journey more difficult. And I knew why I could sense it was because the level of contrast between there and here would be even greater, you know, because if there's some awareness of that higher state of being, then being down here, vibrationally speaking, is so such a stark difference. You know, the veil is actually protective in that way. It, it protects us from homesickness and from, you know, missing the richness of that state of being. Um, but I knew that even that contrast, though, was an opportunity for growth. Like all contrast is actually an opportunity for expansion and growth. So I accepted. And then I remember there having to be a moment to accept the life. And I don't remember that moment, but I do remember then being in a waiting area and all of a sudden this guide coming to me and getting my attention, like go now, like grabbing my shoulders, like very abruptly like, okay, like earth time, buddy, that kind of thing. And being like, okay, okay now. And then being in this room that I can only describe as like a technician's chamber or a mechanic shop. Um, it's, It's hard to articulate. And there were these beings there that are very technical in nature. I might refer to them in English as tinkerers. It's probably a good, Uh, word descriptor 
And below me was this shaft and the earth was below. And they, I don't know how to describe this, but they do this thing where they like tweak the veil to you because the soul, you as a soul are very, very unique and rich and have all this particular um, powerful, unique quality to you. And then the life and the body and the, and the context, it all has its own vibration. And they do this thing where they like, they like make it all jive. They make, they make this like organic fit for the veil so that it will be effective in a lifetime. And I remember them asking me one last time, are you sure? Like it was like a last chance button. It was like getting on a roller coaster or something. You know, once you get in, you can't, <laughs> you can't get out until the ride comes to a complete stop. And I remember saying, yeah, I'm ready. And then once again, feeling this plummet in vibration down, 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 lower, 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 lower. I like to describe it like if you have a sound amplifier that produces a pitch like, and then you turn the knob down. And then like once you get to the bottom, you just turn it down some more and then crank it down more and then more, 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 lower, 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 more, lower, more. That was what it felt like in the body of my awareness to descend down, 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 down vibrationally into this dense, dark, cold, empty place of being bodily, being in the womb and having all of my knowing cut off. And all of my connectedness disappear. And this time I just focused on not fighting it, you know, because I remembered the previous attempt. So I basically just focused on surrendering to the veil and letting the veil like do what it would do to me. And remaining in that state of focused surrender for a while. And then eventually feeling in this very low vibration state, sending one message back to the technicians, did it take? (laughs) And then sent them sending one message back. Yes, it took. And I actually felt really accomplished at that moment, actually, because like even just arriving to the physical is quite an accomplishment because it's such a vibrational distance. So then I was there for a while. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I am not doing this. There's no way. Like it was such low vibration. It was so dark. And once again, my fear began to rise up. And I began to summon my might to find my way out again. And as that happened, the most holy moment in my life happened. I felt myself expand back out. And I felt all the stars and all the galaxies of the universe within me. And I felt the bliss of our sun. Like our sun was like, it had a, has a consciousness to it. And it was churning with this raging bliss of being. And God said to me, this is still what you are. You can never not be this. And that was like, oh my gosh, that was like, okay, I don't have to fight then. Like, because the fear was because I felt like I had lost everything that I am. And so I was so like, it was like this deep reassurance. And I'm like, oh, okay, I haven't lost all that I am. Okay, so I stopped fighting and I just surrendered into the simple existence of being in the womb. And I was there for a while, felt like a very long time. And then the next thing I remember is being born. I remember the the shock, uh, the, the the cold, the light, and all the sense data. And I remember like looking up at the nurses and ha- being so intensely curious because I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> no understanding at all of the context. And I remember feeling this incredible love for them, actually. I didn't know who they were or what they were, but I knew they were like beings. And I was like, who are these beings who are taking care of me? And I was so curious. I remember like looking at the world with such intense curiosity. 
And, you know, it's funny because I described this to my father years later. And he said that he said, when I, when you were born, you had these wide eyes and you were the most curious being I'd ever seen. He's like, who is this being who's so curious? Like, <laughs> I remember that intense curiosity of like, where am I? What is this place? Um, so then I don't have many memories after that for a while. But as I began to grow, like even as I was learning how to walk, I remember having access to these pre-birth memories and just checking into the flowchart memory, like casually, <laughs> just to like see what was going to happen. Like just to know if someone was going to come over to the house or what we were going to do tomorrow. And, you know, that, that ability greatly diminished as I aged, you know, definitely by the age of five or six, you know, my, the memory had completely left me. And of course I had no pre-birth memory at all between the ages of six and 30. Um, so anyway, that's a, that's a quick summary. It's very difficult to describe the experience. Um, there's more to it that is difficult to describe as well. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be succinct and I, you know, I know that people are interested in the story. But I think what's far more important is that we remind each other of what we really are, <laughs> you know, because all of us have gone through something similar. I mean, I can't speak for anybody except myself, but we are all multidimensional beings and we have all come from these higher systems down into this incredible experience of denseness for the purposes of the expansion of love and joy. And there is nothing ultimately to fear. And I just think that's so important to remind each other of. And yeah, so that's that's what I like to do. <laughs> I love the way you described that, Christian. And the, I've got a picture, like when you were describing about it, um, I had this, it's almost like a, a roadmap, but with music notes. And you were able to look at it and go, oh, this is really interesting. What's this? And you got to uh, get really curious about the fear aspect and sharing your journey. Mm. So I'm just trying to understand because I, and, and I don't know this, this is just from, from, I think things that I've read and things that I understand as a soul, do we get to choose what vibrational frequency we step into from a timeline perspective as a way to expand our consciousness or as a soul, do we keep coming back until we learn the lessons, whether that was the fear lesson uh, as a way to expand because I, I I don't I, I've heard two different um aspects of the the different you know the different paradigms and those high vibrational frequencies where we come in and we come in to make amends to to make sure, sure mm -hmm. that those um musical notes are in harmony mm -hmm. yeah that's true I I feel like both the things you described are true I don't I don't uh, see the contradiction we do return um, by choice to continue to refine the music. If there is a note that is off, that's not a bad way to put it. See, because like as beings, we seek to expand and to grow and to like balance out. And if there's like, like there's certain strengths I have that I'm not necessarily here to work on those. I don't really like the word work on because that makes it sound like we're here to like do a deed. This is more about the expansion of being. <laughs> and, it, and the learning we do here is not an intellectual learning. It's an experiential learning. You know, it's actually learning by being something. It's the learning of the being with a capital B by being something with a lowercase b. So in my case, I needed to be not needed to. I chose to be for for its value 
the human who had been crushed by a health condition and felt completely powerless to it and completely unable to escape pain. And that sounds, you know, pretty terrible to the human ego, <laughs> but the ego arises from fear and from rejection. And from that higher state, we know that our true nature cannot be threatened. We cannot truly fail. There's no failure. We are life itself. We can't fail. And so from that perspective, we wish to balance out and refine the qualities that we know and that we are forever. Uh, and that can be done in multiple experiences, or we might interject at some point into a given physical reality where there's an opportunity for us to do so. Some context might have specific value for us. In fact, I feel that every almost, so for the vast majority of us, I feel that we've chosen our context very specifically. I think some beings just want to get in and they'll take whatever experience they can get <laughs> kind of thing. But for most of us, we choose a life that is very specifically valuable for us in some way. And that may be difficult to see from the human point of view. Of course, we accept being veiled. That's part of the game <laughs> that we don't remember. <laughs> um, but from that perspective, you know, we do see the value and we do intentionally choose to come for some specific experiential purpose. Yeah, I, I truly believe that. I always say that because uh, quite often people that I have spoken to, people that have sat in class with me, uh, quite often talk about seeking their purpose and looking external mm -hmm. of themselves. And I'm always saying, but our, our, our sole purpose here is to expand and experience. And and it's then it's, you know, I think also a lot of the times the ego mind that judges whether that was a good experience or a bad experience and experience, uh -huh. experience, right? And so the more that we can accept what is rather than judging it, we go through those experiences a lot faster. I've, I've experienced anyway, from my experience, a lot faster. Yeah, abso absolutely. Yeah, I just want to say something about that. So like yes, our please. true nature, our true nature is love and joy and freedom. <laughs> like that is the... That is the very fabric of being, the fabric of what is, is love and joy and freedom. Okay, so but then we enter into a rigorous set of constraints here in the physical. Now, the rigorousness and the denseness of the constraints may be high, but it's neutral. We put the meaning onto it, and it is in buying into meaning that is not in alignment with the truth that we suffer, that we experience fear. So, so for example, if we buy into a perception of, oh my gosh, I'm powerless, I have no power. <laughs> that really is converse to the truth, which is that you are incredibly powerful. You, are, you have total freedom. And so, but then we feel fear, you know, because now we're buying into a perception that is not in vibrational alignment. It's not this, it's not actually the truth. It's a, it's a, an illusion, a falsehood, you could say, you know, and, but anyway, so what I'm saying is that the rigors of the physical are neutral. And as they arise, if we fully accept them and fully meet them and fully allow them and fully integrate what we experience the joy and the freedom of our being very naturally rises back up to the surface because it never left. The only thing that was apparently separating us from it is our own rejection, which means our own fear, which is synonymous with our own unevolvedness. <laughs> Just that we haven't grown up enough to say, this is okay. I can actually be present with this experience no matter what it is. Now, I know there's like huge levels of difficulty difference, like you know, there's huge difference in, in the rigor and in the sense data. There are experiences that can be incredibly physically painful, you know, in this world. But even so, even that pain is neutral and we put the meaning on it and, and we get to decide how to work with it and what to do with it. It's amazing.
It is so true. I always say it's the meaning we give it to how we're going to experience it or how we respond to it or how we react to it. And I think that also for me, it's it's one of those things, it's taken me into my mid-50s to really get the understanding of acceptance. Um, and even like what I do is I am mm. practicing, and it's hard, Christian, I'm not going to mm. lie, but the non-attachment, the non-resistance, the non-judgment, those kind of things is, is um, a practice in itself in this physical form as a human being. But even so, I find that a lot of the times I have fear thoughts come to mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be conscious, which is hard because when you think about it, when we're on autopilot and and we're we're functioning on a very unconscious or subconscious level, for us to be Mm -hmm. conscious, there's, there needs a level of, of a stillness and pause. And so when I am in that state, I can actually go, oh, I'm feeling fear. I'm experiencing fear. But is there truth to this fear? And what meaning mm. have I attached to what I'm experiencing? So what's yes. your trick? Like we're human, right? We all have it. Do you, yeah. do you, <laughs> do you experience these things? Yeah. Yes. So Okay, that's a wonderful question because it's really at the heart of what we're doing here. <laughs> so this is an important topic. Okay, so so first of all, I, I agree that that finding that stillness is very in a very important step, very important first step, because and it's it makes sense that it's in the stillness that the fear arises because what you're doing is you're letting go of the ego stories that are protecting you, keeping you separate from the fear that's actually down there. So as soon as you have stillness and you let go, guess what? the fear will come up, but that's good. That's okay. So when the fear rises up, it's not a matter of saying, oh, wow, I recognize I'm afraid, but I shouldn't be. I'm going to pile a new, a new feel, you know, better. Like I'm just going to pile a new forced idea on top of that fear. That's not, that's not the real process. Um, I'll, I'll use a metaphor for the process. Okay. So this is a simple, silly metaphor, but I think it helps. When my father was a little boy, he was afraid of closets. And every night when he went to sleep, he thought there were monsters in his closet. And so every night he couldn't fall asleep because he was afraid of the monsters in his closet. And that this happened for weeks and months. And he lost all sorts of sleep over the monsters in the closet. And one day he said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going into that closet and I'm going to find those monsters. And if they eat me, so be it. I'm sick of being afraid. So he opened the closet, pushed his way through the clothes and sat on the floor, completely terrified, expecting to be eaten by the monsters. And there were no monsters in the closet and they did not eat him. (laughs) And so he realized, oh, there was never actually anything to be afraid of. And so now as an adult, my father is not afraid of closets. (laughs) Now I know that sounds silly and simple to us as adults, But we as adults are not terribly dissimilar with our own fears. Now, the scope may be different. The scale may be different. The the richness and the context might be different. But whatever it is that we're afraid of, we're afraid of it because we're buying into some perception that is not in alignment with the truth. And so the way to really process it and integrate it is not to run away from it, not to to force a new meaning on it, but to go towards it. To actually go into it and find what do I feel? What is actually buried down there? What negative perception? Okay, and here's one thing when you find that negative perception, it will feel so obvious that the world and your life has proven to you that it's true. So if you have a 
if you've bought deeply into a perception of shame, like I'm not worthy of love, you might go in there and you might find, I feel shameful. And the reasons for you feeling shameful may be multitudinous. <laughs> Maybe you were treated a certain way as a child and you know, on and on and on. All, you, know, you have all this whole lifetime that proves to you that you are not worthy of love. I, I recommend, I, I encourage that you would challenge even that because our deepest beliefs become invisible. We, we, we think it's a part of reality itself. It's actually our belief. And so we can actually go into that and, and actually honestly approach that deep fear and say, wait a minute, I feel, wow, I feel shameful and it hurts like hell. <laughs> And then go into the actual feeling itself and allow ourselves to feel it. So when I say that, there's one key mechanism I want to point out here. And it's a mechanism that is at work in all things in the physical. And that is your intent. The quality of your intent. Like this is not a process. Like what I'm describing is not a mechanical process. We're not here to go through step A, then step B, then step C, and now you're done at D. We're here to wield an intention that is of high quality, which means love, loving, accepting, feeling, being willing to feel, being willing to be humbled, being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to be potentially crushed by all this negativity that we've buried deep within, within ourselves, rather than an intention based in fear and self-protection and rejection and ego and all the crazy ways that ego manifests. When we are so so in other words, when we are willing to put down the um, the distraction of the ego and the crutch of the ego with whatever story we're telling ourselves to avoid what we're avoiding <laughs> and actually go in and take full ownership for who we are and what we feel and honor ourselves enough to actually feel it. That heals it. That is going into the closet. It may hurt like a freaking crazy, like getting hit by a truck momentarily. And you don't go into it so that you can get rid of it. Your intention is not even to get rid of it. Your intention is to actually feel it and love it and accept it and know it as a part of yourself. And you just do that. And then all of a sudden, the tornado dissipates. Not because you tried to get rid of it, but because you brought the light of your awareness down into the basement and felt you actually allowed yourself to feel. That's incredible work. You know, because after the physical life is over, that depth of experience that you just engaged, you get to keep forever <laughs> where else can you do that other than here so true i'm smiling and nodding my head like this christian because i've actually experienced this just recently myself where um the the practice of acceptance and um there were moments where i feel i was feeling angry and for no yeah. reason just angry and yeah. i was repressing that by saying i shouldn't be feeling angry i yeah. I'm, I'm, i've got everything i'm so happy and you know, but i was avoiding and the moment i sat with the anger and uh -huh. accept that i was angry i could not tell the stuff that was bubbling up and then i let go of the anger and then it was like layers and then i went into sadness and then I felt yes. really sad, like to the point where one morning I woke up and I, I felt like my soul was crying, Not, but I didn't have tears, but I felt there was a deep sense of sadness and then bubbled up the fear. And then it's, it's, it's really interesting when we accept and, 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 and let it go, it's, it's almost like it layers of emotions sit under another layer, another, but the stories, the narratives that sit within tied that. to each layer <laughs> yeah and you know and it's not 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 the other the other thing too is like a lot of the times i go okay it's all in your mind the narratives 
drop into your heart people that know me and listen to me they know I'm, I, I practice it. it's not always easy to drop into my heart uh-huh. and there's a different energy than sitting in the mind going I shouldn't nor I mm. am you know whatever the story is but that in itself and I think that before we came on the show I was telling you how I haven't been sleeping for about six weeks I think it's also the 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 because I'm letting go of stuff yeah. And because I'm yeah, letting go of my baggage, I feel like there's more light coming through or something coming through. Absolutely. No, your comments are, are amazingly astute and, and appropriate because there are thousands of layers sometimes, hundreds or thousands of layers that we built on build on top of fear. And the ego, that just means the portion of us that's rejecting and trying its best to fix this huge problem of separation that we have now. <laughs> is really trying to reclaim power however it can. Anger is an example of trying to reclaim power that we actually perceive we've lost. Give me back that power. I'm angry now. That's okay. That's okay if you feel that. Follow the roots. And you don't have to go all the way to the bottom root right away. In fact, you can't usually because the ego does a really good job. You have done a really good job of protecting yourself You know, with all the layers. So what do you meet? Just what's arising in this moment. And if you fully accept and investigate this moment's emotion and and feeling and whatever you're experiencing now, like you described, then that will give way to the next layer as you're ready. And then that will give way to the next layer and that will give way to the next layer. And it's okay if that takes 10 seconds and it's okay if it takes a hundred years, it doesn't matter. It's your willingness to accept whatever's arising in this moment because the deeper parts of you, they will lift up those parts that need to be healed as you're ready and as you're able and willing. And the magic ingredient then though is your willingness to to feel it, to own it, to be weak, (laughs) to be vulnerable, to feel the way that you feel. Like, you know, we often think that, oh, power is, you know, we, we think power means something in our world. True power is love. Love is the true power and love is accepting and open and it feels everything and it's open. And so when we can practice that in ourselves with all of our crap, (laughs) all of the traumas, my goodness, that's powerful stuff. That's what we're here to do. And that's exactly the kind of process I went through to face and process the fear that I came here to process. I went through years of EMDR therapy after I had post-traumatic stress after a health event when I was 22. I was so disassociated from my younger life, actually, that for a while I couldn't even remember much of up until the age of 22. I was so traumatized and disassociated. And through years of what's called EMDR therapy, it's just a, a, a you know a modality to process those layers. I processed layer after layer and after layer. And after years of doing this, I thought, oh my gosh, that's got to be the root layer. Oh my gosh, that's got to be the root layer. One day I did find the root layer. My God, was it terrifying but it's okay. It's okay. Like if we can fully meet and process that, that is the depth to which the expansion occurs. So I just want to encourage everybody because at the heart of all this, there is nothing to fear. If you could just at least for now, take that intellectual reminder. I don't have to be afraid. (laughs) I can face all that crap down in there. I can feel, you can feel any, anything. Your consciousness is deeper than your deepest crap. (laughs) It's so true. I love the way that you describe that. And I think it's really important for us to, uh, to maybe make a mention for our viewers and our listeners is because mm-hmm. I did this and I learned this from as a mistake because I used to always say drop into your heart you know it's we're all about love and the thing is uh-huh. so it's almost like we're bypassing the layers 
if we just mm-hmm. go for, for the love. But then I feel like now, and I don't know if it's, in, and oh, I'd love to hear your thought on it. I don't know if it's because I've done the work that when I do drop into my heart, I feel it's a lot easier that oh, now yeah. that I've got rid of my baggage. Or is it the fact that now I've loosened the the boundaries of my, you know, my baggage, let's say, that now when I do drop into my heart, the expansion is a lot freer. So what are your thoughts around that? I'm not too sure if, can you just drop into your heart and, and bypass those layers and the love will, you know, they say love is that highest vibration that will diminish mm-hmm. all low vibrational frequencies. Yeah, so as you process the layers, the native love automatically shines up and through you. It's like life itself with a capital L can rise up. So it's not an, a matter of, like you can you can intellectually choose to focus on love at any time. That's wonderful. That's good. But the true masters, you'll you'll notice like people who have really processed the human experience, they just have this deep joy about them all the time. <laughs> and it's not pretend, it's just a native wellspring of joy because all the layers of crap have been processed. They don't have to go find it, it just arises. It's just it's just the way of life is to be in joy. It's okay if we don't feel that all the time. We don't need to judge ourselves. We can recognize that we still have you know, form that we have lost ourselves in association with. And by the way, I'll mention meditation here too, then, because practicing meditation is super helpful for this because you gain that space that you were talking about. And you also gain greater and greater connection with the true source of power, which is consciousness itself, your awareness itself, not the thoughts, not all the thinking, not all the stories, not all the, you know, this object hitting this object. You know, we do that in our thinking mind all day long. That's not the true source of power. So when we can really practice getting in touch with that that awareness, we find there also love is the bedrock. And everything else that's making us not feel love, making us not feel love in quotes, <laughs> is is an illusion. It's something that's not true that we've lost ourselves in association with. So yeah, it's automatic. It rises up as we process those layers, as we really process them. I love the way that you described that, Christian. And the other thing too, I think also the the practice, and I feel like the practice, the the non-attachment, the non-resistance, the non-judgment mm-hmm. is really important uh, to practice. And I say it's a practice because I, I, I I'm, haven't perfected it um, to get to that joy piece. That because that internal, we actually had a lady, Dr. Joy, on the show just last week, and she talks about the joy as an internal driver rather than the happiness. People very, you know, once I get that job, I'll be happy. Once I get more money or that relationship, I'll be happy. But she was talking about our natural way of being is joy. And that's That's beautiful. (laughs) And it, it is very much about tapping into that. But even that in itself, I'm, I, I think that, and I spoke to a couple of people that listened to, sh- to the show. It's like, well, how do I tap into that where I've never experienced that? Mm. I've never experienced for- that deep joy. Mm. So, um, okay. So there are different layers. There's, there's two different um, things to mention here. One is there are different layers of, cons- different levels of constraint. We'll start that with that. So that means that each, each spirit has engaged into a human experience that has its own set of constraints, biological constraints, circumstantial constraints, the constraints of upbringing and how we were taught and conditioned, you know, the beliefs that we were surrounded with, all that stuff. And the second is that, okay, so 
there is a uniqueness to each individual. And I'm, I'm trying to tie this back. When we, when we combine the uniqueness of each individual and the different levels of constraints, it can feel like for some people that the levels that separate where they are and that native joy is like, it's so thick that we don't even feel it anymore. And how can I find it? Because all I know is hell, <laughs> but it's that depth of form association. So we'll say that the first is the level of the constraints themselves. And the second is how does the spirit form associate? How deeply does it associate with thinking, with beliefs? How deeply does it cling on to beliefs for safety? How deeply does it cling on to like, you know, objects, relationships, drugs, you know, whatever. Those two things that are happening, the deeper, the deeper that we engage into form and our association with it, the more distance we vibrationally feel from that true native joy. But the thing is, our true nature is always the joy. It never actually left. So even if you don't remember it in your entire human life, it is who you are still. It is where you came from. It is where you'll return to. Even if you don't have conscious memory of it, that's okay. And so you can start small. That would be the main recommendation I would say. Find in your day-to-day. the And I love that you're differentiating joy from happiness. Because when I use the word joy, I'm referring to that same deep being level, fullness of being and joy. I don't know what other word to use that is native to us. And for each person, that may mean something different. And so you can follow your intuition, sense in your body, sense in your mind. What is what is love calling me to in this moment versus what is fear calling me to in this moment? It's okay if it's um, going and watching a television show. <laughs> it doesn't have to be some you know great mystical thing. It's okay if right now I just want to be by myself. That's okay. Or right now I feel sad and you honor yourself by feeling why you're sad. You know, what, whatever the calling is of that joy, it's always reaching up to us. It's always calling to us. Even if there are 27,000 layers between that joy and how deep we've gone into the constraints and how deep we've gone into the form associations. And I love that you referenced that a non-attachment because that specifically speaks to that second one. That is that we associate so deeply with form, with the body and the name and the job and the activities and the things we got to do and the thoughts and the on and on and on and on and on. It's very powerful, actually, if we take pause and just allow the moment to be. You don't actually have to do anything. I know that that's like so counter to what we've been deeply conditioned here in the world of form to think. Nothing is required of you. Nothing. <laughs> you are a being of total freedom and joy and love. You are, you are worthy just the way you are. There's nothing that you absolutely have to do. You can be in this moment. You are worthy of the peace and the joy of who you really are. And you can feel it in this moment in whatever small way and follow that, that signpost of your intuition towards it and whatever that means for you. I love that. I got pictures of the the joy, like it's already, it's an internal light within you and it's always there. It's always uh, shining and it's, and, but it's how it's activated. It's dependent on us. In other words, that the joy is always there. It could be as simple as what is it that I want to be doing right now? It could be as simple as I'm going to eat a lint chocolate and watch a movie yeah. or, or I'm <laughs> exactly. going to do some journaling or I'm going to do some meditation, but that that's that internal that soul voice, the joy of this is what I desire to do. 
Absolutely. I mean, and we live in a society where we are deeply conditioned to focus on things we don't really want to focus on. Whereas the nature of the soul in realities of form that are thought responsive in higher realms, it is quite different. The The natural way is to focus on what you like and have fun with and enjoy. <laughs> and the more you focus on that, the more you get of it. So that, and by the way, just as a side tangent comment, that's why a lot of little children, if, if their parent says to them, you shouldn't take this thing that you just took, or you shouldn't do this thing you just did. And they say, but I want it. That's not just a sign of immaturity. It's an intuitive expression, but, but I want that. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying that because as adults, we usually have spent decades focusing on things we don't really prefer. And so the step back towards peace can be, yeah, turn your attention towards something that you want to be focusing on right now. That's great. That's mm. wonderful. This is a big playground. Use it. Yeah, and I think as adults, we've become too serious. We've forgotten how to have fun oh and play. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, and I think that just even to to even bring more play into your life, whatever that is for, for every individual, I think that's in itself going to add a bit of a skip to your oh, way Oh, absolutely. There's a beautiful Seth quote that that reminds me of. Not He said, on one hand, you take life too seriously. On the other hand, you don't take play seriously enough. <laughs> I love that quote because it's so true. We're serious and we're not, we don't put enough effort and energy into playing and enjoying life. Life is an active enjoyment. Ultimately, we only have made it deeply serious by all of our form associations and beliefs that we've enshrined, but our true nature is fun and joy and freedom. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful if we can take life less seriously and go play and how, whatever that means. We, we don't, these, these identities that we want to protect, you know, oh, I, I can't go around out in the rain because I'm going to get wet and people will think I'm crazy. No, you can run in the rain. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know, you can be who you are. I love running in the rain. And sometimes I'll let people know that my trick sometimes if I am having a moment, I call it a moment, uh, and a moment could be anything. You're experiencing a little bit of frustration, annoyance, whatever that may be, I'll skip. And just the <laughs> skipping in itself uh, takes away this the that heavy energy in your body right and then your mind's going hang on a minute you're telling me you're frustrated <laughs> but you're skipping and it does it really it shifts my paradigm like that i mean that's my trick anyway but what's your oh trick? i love it i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that that's a great trick so yeah. I'm, I'm conscious of your time as well and in the essence of time i just want to unpack your book a little bit a walk sure. in the physical understanding the human experience within the larger spiritual context Talk us a little bit, because I know the book represents a non-linear reality model, and I'd love to understand how does that differ to conventional reality or the understanding of conventional reality? Sure. So to their latter question, the way that we understand conventional reality today is based on our local world of form and its local rules. So, But that entire local rule set is not fundamentally real. So you can't start with the assumptions of the physical and arrive at the totality of all things, you have to move towards that, which does transcend all things, which is consciousness itself. So as a, as a metaphor, if you were going to like go play the, the video game Minecraft, you know, and then you're in the Minecraft world. And then in Minecraft, someone says, how do you explain that there could be a higher dimension? Show me the blocks. Well, you don't need blocks because the blocks are non-fundamental. They've been created <laughs> anyway. So this, so that is why I feel that spirit was leading me to 
present the information in a way that's nonlinear because we like, and, and I'm a linear type, I'm a project manager by trade. You know, I'm a very, you know, historically a very left brain type individual. So if I was going to write this by myself, it would be quite linear. <laughs> but the way that I felt led by spirit to write it was to present chunks in a way that is useful for, for anybody. So everybody is growing at their own rate. And it, there are many important ideas that need to be concurrently presented. And so the book is an attempt to do that and to put it within a short framework that describes in concise language, the first part of the book, maybe 13 or 14 pages long, what's going on in the human experience. And then that 13 or 14 pages points to all these um, coexisting ideas. I do briefly recount my pre-birth experience in the introduction, but it's not really about my pre-birth. It's not about my pre-birth experience. It's about your experience. It's about our experience as consciousness here in the human experience. And I want to encourage folks to really sense deep down, like I, I feel like the book is, it was guided over six years through me by spirit in a way that hopefully will help the reader sense and feel and actually know that multidimensional part of themselves that transcends the physical and is of love and joy already. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the idea. How has uh, the book changed your life? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so I, first of all, I, I give the book away for free online in that it's available to be read online for free. It's never been about money. I just really felt compelled to share. Um, like when when I started having out-of-body experiences and this pre-birth memory returned, I was like, oh my gosh, I just have to tell people. Like I was so motivated. <laughs> my wife would like laugh at me because I was so excited to think of any way I could to share with people. And I quickly found that, you know, you, you can't just, you know, knock on someone's door and tell them they're multidimensional being, multidimensional being. Anyway, after some years, I began to feel the chunks of information come. I, I took them down. I put them together into a format. I felt spirit's guidance as to how to arrange the book. And I just felt this bone level calling. Like I just needed to make this thing physical. It was like, I just knew I needed to do it while I was physical. And the moment that I pushed the publish button and self-published, I was I felt this like, okay, I can let go now. Like now it's okay if no matter what happens, no matter what, if it's one person that ever sees this book, that's fine. However, it has um, been very well received. Uh, I, I've I reached I've I've just met so many amazing people. I have people reaching out to me every day. A lot of people say it's you know really changed their lives, and it's funny because they say, "Oh, you wrote this this great book," and it's like it's not me. Like <laughs> I'm just the person who facilitated it, and I feel strange. Like someone asked me to sign it, and I'm like, "How can I sign it? Like, this can't be signed. This is not a human thing." Um, so I feel like it's not even mine. I'm just a gatekeeper to it. Um, but the response has been overwhelmingly positive. I've met so many amazing people. I've probably met almost 50 other pre-birth experiencers by now. So I know I'm definitely not alone. And there's been an incredible community that's developed over time, you know, with people talking to each other. And I feel like it's just a, a tool out in the world. And, um, and very simply, it's my life work, my life's work. You know, it's the thing that I know that I can, I can leave you know, and it, it will be in the physical and that's good. Well, we'll have that, uh, the, the link in the show notes. I think that's very beautiful. And you have to accept, you play part in it as well, Christian. I Whether made a choice. You facilitated yeah. it or the words, because I feel that the way that you described 
uh, from a soul perspective, it's hard to put it into language. Very uh, hard. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So they, you played a big part in putting this book together. Yeah, thank you. I I feel that as a soul, one of the things that I very much enjoy doing is taking the vast and making it succinct and concise. <laughs> so I feel that um, that was helpful, you know, in being able to do this. It is difficult to put into language. Uh, it's actually not even the specific word choice. It's the words you don't use that that are really important because English has only got like five words. <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels. You know, you try to write about love and you've got like one word, love, and it means so many things, <laughs> you know, or spirit or consciousness. And it's like, you know, I'd come back from meditation and it's like, oh my gosh, consciousness is all things. I can't possibly put any words on this. How do I? And so then like, I remember just writing even one sentence one day and feeling like maybe I should just not write any words because any word will be blasphemy. It will be so inaccurate. But on the other hand, is that a reason not to try? No. But that's why I'm very clear in the book to say like, oh no, words, this is not, the truth can't be articulated in words. (laughs) That's very important to remember. It is. It is really hard to put anything into words when you're when you're working with that kind of vibrational frequency. From my understanding, absolutely. Yeah. So, Christian, um, the way that we love to wrap up the show is we love to ask our guests to leave three shiny golden nuggets, and that could be like three practical exercises for our audience. Sure. So, um, instead of exercises, I'll just leave three ideas. <laughs> the first is that there is absolutely nothing to fear. Like in my father, in the example of my father being a little kid, there's no, there are no monsters in the closet, even in death, even in war, even in, even in pain. And when we really, really deeply explore that, even in a very small way, like if you do a very small amount of processing that you are helping the entire collective to heal, (laughs) like you are a powerful being. Don't surrender to this idea of hopelessness that society has kind of like bought into and heaped upon us. No, that's. It is a very hopeful situation. So please know that just by meeting your own fear, you really are helping the whole. And the second thing is you are a multidimensional. <laughs> you really are. You exist in other reality systems right now. I know that sounds super wild, but if you sufficiently let go of your association with the physical and your focus on the sense data of the physical, you really can touch those higher realms. And as the vibration of the collective consciousness is increasing, that's becoming more and more normal and natural. And so having that firsthand experience, even if it's a small experience, can really go a long way to help you see, oh, this is real. <laughs> like, this is not just a new, like, religious thing. This is like, this is really the, the nature of our being. And the third thing I would say is the most powerful thing that we can do here is to love. And love can mean so many different things. You will know in your life, in your it doesn't even have to be your whole life. In any simple moment, what love means, it can mean a smile, it can mean acceptance, it can mean enjoying something, it can mean helping the person next to you. It's not about scope. It's about quality of intention. And we all can do that. We all can bring that loving intention to whatever moment we're in. And it's far more powerful than it appears on the surface. You know, I think a lot of us think, oh, what's important is how the objects are arranged today. (laughs) You know, we're really focused on how the objects are arranged. Don't worry about the objects. It's just a big illusion anyway. What's important is the quality of being with which you are meeting your circumstances. And you can always make that choice to move one step towards love and joy. Yeah. Mm, 
I love all three. I feel, do you know, Christian, I feel so calm now. When we first uh, got together before the show, I was like really buzzing, but I feel really sedated and calm now. So I wanted to say thank you so very much for um, allowing me to experience this in this space. I did really connect with one of them um, because one of the things that uh, I'm currently experiencing, even though some of the things are really tough in our life, and this is for all of us, no matter where you are at crossroads or any point in your life, that as hard as it may be, just know that it serves a purpose. And mm. I think that's really important to understand that once we make those shifts, you're not just doing it for yourself. For those people that lack self-worth, that don't think about themselves, think about beyond yourself, right? So you're mm. not only are you expanding your life, you're helping others as well. So you're, you're helping not just you as a soul expand with those experiences, but the people around you and beyond. Like you said, Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's that's very, very, very powerful advice. Thank mm. you. <laughs> so Christian, we'll have everything in the show notes. Where's the best place? Where do you hang out the most? Um, so I actually don't have my own channels, but I do have a website, awalkinthephysical.com. Um, you, I can be emailed at awalkinthephysical at gmail.com. I apologize if I'm delayed in responding. I sometimes get a lot of emails, but I'm happy mm -hmm. to try to help if I can. And I'm on Facebook and yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Christian, for your wealth of wisdom, for your time, your energy. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you. So namaste for coming on the namaste show. Namaste to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, Sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.